welcome to talc teaching and learning consultation skills this is the talc talks podcast helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills to get better outcomes and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction talc module 10 number four consultation skills for optimizing medication a dexterous approach to personalising drug treatments. This chapter addresses the consultation skills that enable effective medication review, especially in those taking many drugs, sometimes referred to as polypharmacy. The nature of polypharmacy and the barriers to changing multiple drug prescribing are briefly considered here. And we also talk about the effective consultation skills that underpin prescribing review. These skills are summarised in an approach called dexterous, and this stands for data, explanations, trust, and organised systems, which are all required for effective review of medication. So what exactly do we mean by polypharmacy? We're going to talk about that, as well as the barriers to reducing medications, especially from the patient's perspective, the barriers to optimising medicines by reducing the drugs prescribed from the clinician's perspective, the roles of systems and teams, and skills for medication review consultations. So what exactly is polypharmacy? There are many definitions of polypharmacy, with numerical definitions ranging from two drugs to 11 medications taken daily. Many definitions also consider how effective and appropriate the medications are in relation to the common comorbidities, especially in older patients. The World Health Organization defines polypharmacy as occurring when a patient is taking five or more long-term concurrent medications. By this definition, 20% of NHS patients in England are living with polypharmacy. For some, this will obviously be appropriate because the benefits of their medications outweigh the burden of taking tablets and their illness experience is improved by their treatment. However, for many people, this balance is not so favourable. Side effects or interactions can affect the quality of life, and some drugs are continued when the patient no longer has the capacity to benefit from them. Clinicians are often very adept at choosing and starting medications, but spend less time and effort reviewing or stopping medications even when there might be good clinical reasons for doing so. Indeed, sometimes clinicians feel that they should not stop long-term medications or that guidelines mandate continuing medications even if the patient is no longer benefiting. In his role as chair of the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, NICE, Dr David Haslam repeatedly commented on the need to avoid a rigid approach to guidelines. He points out that most guidelines are written for patients who have a single condition. Yet the majority of patients taking multiple medications have several comorbidities. The interactions between different disease conditions are poorly studied and the effects of the interactions of five or even more medications has been very little researched. Therefore, clinicians must turn to the individual patient themselves to provide evidence about their own specific experiences, needs and benefits. What benefits are they personally receiving from treatment? Are the benefits what they hope for? 
What interactions and side effects are they burdened with? Which medications are of so little absolute value that they can be reasonably stopped? When comorbidity and polypharmacy are significant aspects of the patient's experience, a simple biomedical model is often inadequate because all aspects of the individual must be taken into account. This includes the patient's own values and attitudes to life and their psychological and social context. In 2015, the School for Advancing Generalist Expertise, also known as SAGE, published their flipped consultation model. This approach prioritises the patient's own view of their illness and their situation. What is the impact on them? What are their goals? What resources do they have to help manage the burden of their illness? The SAGE approach emphasises the need for regular review, reflecting on progress over time and using review appointments with continuity of care to amend care plans in negotiation with the patient over time. It follows that medication reviews are not a single annual event. Review is a longitudinal process that should form part of pretty much every patient interaction. While certain payment systems mandate rather cursory checks, this is unlikely to yield the most benefit. A comprehensive and patient-centred medication review may not be realistic in a single consultation, but if seen as a process with a timeline, goal setting and involving the patient in creating the priorities, clinicians will feel less pressured and create more practical expectations for both themselves and their patients. So let's think about the barriers to reducing medications from the patient's perspective. Patients often describe the burden of polypharmacy in terms of side effects, monitoring and logistics. Many patients comment about how side effects mean something like, I'm now being given pills to combat the side effects of my other pills. And they may resent the ever increasing number of tablets they're expected to take. Drug monitoring may require frequent and poorly coordinated visits for blood tests or nursing reviews or single disease reviews which take a lot of time and effort from the patient and from the assistants and staff who deliver such care. Some patients, however, may equate more medication with more or better care. Indeed, patients may also be concerned about stopping medications. They ask, will my symptoms return? Or, I was told to take this medication forever or I'll have a stroke. Some of these issues are preventable if the consultation skills of TALC Module 4 and 5 are used when starting medications to explain accurately what medications are for, the expected benefits, and to develop shared plans with patients about what changes might suggest a medication could be stopped. Clinicians routinely overestimate the benefits of preventative drugs and they may oversell the likely benefits. There's good research evidence for this. This may make patients fearful when considering stopping medications because of side effects or interactions. Moreover, some clinicians are nervous about stopping lifelong medications, even in conditions of palliative or end-of-life care. And the skills for discussing this are alluded to in TALC Module 10.1, Delicate DNA CPR Conversations. So what barriers to optimising medications by reducing the drugs prescribed are there from the clinician's perspective. 
Well, clinicians also fear the outcomes of reducing or stopping medications, fearing that harm may come to their patients. The emphasis on following evidence-based guidelines may inhibit some clinicians from making judgments about the specific needs of individual patients. Many people taking multiple medications are from cohorts that the scientific evidence base has not examined at all. For example, the frail elderly, those with comorbidities such as dementia, or those with multiple long-term conditions. Many clinicians remain fearful that they will be criticised or censured if they operate outside single condition guidelines, even if their patient clearly does not fit into the population group the guidelines were created for. Clinicians may also see reviewing medication as a low clinical priority or feel that reviews are not given adequate and dedicated time to carry out properly. Which brings us to the roles of systems and teams. Beyond the patient consultation, the systems in which clinicians operate also create barriers to effective medication reviews. These structural barriers are not considered in detail here because TALC concentrates on the consultation skills required. But to mention them briefly, this includes having appropriate information available about prescribing decisions, especially across the primary and secondary care interface. It means allocating protected and dedicated time for medication reviews. It means creating a culture in which starting medications also includes thinking about the clinical changes that would dictate stopping medications. It also means reinforcing the clinician's role in interpreting guidelines rather than seeing them as tramlines. The Taylor Medication Review Report directly challenged these barriers. You can find the reference to it in the PDF of this chapter. The report emphasises that reviewing prescribing, streamlining or reducing medication is safe, effective and is an acceptable intervention for clinicians to undertake. To achieve this requires some advanced planning and some proper organisational systems to be in place. There's no single best approach to this task, which needs to be flexible to the needs of the particular clinical setting. This chapter puts the focus on the consultation skills needed. The skills for developing effective systems lie somewhat outside of the scope of TALC. So what are the skills for medication review consultations? And what does a dexterous approach really mean? Clinicians need to work flexibly with patients when considering medication review aiming for optimisation of medications, to reduce interactions and side effects, and to minimise the burdens of monitoring, collecting and taking medications. The skills needed can be summarised in the dexterous approach, which uses the principles of expert generalist care. Skills from all the TALP modules are combined to enable useful discussions with patients. And dexterous stands for this, D is for data, E is for explanations, T is for trust, and S is for organised systems. And in the PDF that accompanies this chapter, there is an excellent graphic which shows how data about the patient, their drugs, their goals and experiences is combined with a relationship and trust building approach to develop a shared explanation that supports prescribing decisions. This is especially important for any decisions about reducing or stopping medications. Let's talk about data first. 
Data means information about the individual patient and their medications, and it's the key foundation for any prescription review. The skills of Talc Module 1 emphasise preparation, so that when reviewing medications, the clinician should be prepared by reading the record in advance. This enables them to understand the purpose and nature of the medications, including any potential side effects or interactions, and enables them to check the results of any investigations or clinic letters, which might be relevant to the consultation to come. Other preparation might include reviewing the relevance of a guideline and establishing the clinical context fully. For example, is this person moving into a palliative phase of their illness? If they're taking preventative medications, have those already failed in their intended benefits? If a person is in a nursing home with dementia, having suffered several strokes, the value of preventative drugs such as statins needs to be reassessed. This data can then be applied in the context of the specific patient and will be followed up with further information gathering using the skills of TALC Module 3. Personalising care fully goes further than asking about the patient's thoughts, hopes or concerns and making reference to these ideas during the process of making a treatment plan. True person-centred care places the health needs and treatment goals of the individual at the centre of any medication decision. This requires well thought out, open questions to understand the patient's perspective. Be curious, be inquisitive, be nosy. Ask the patient what matters to them and why that is important to them. What compromises or trade-offs are they willing to make to achieve their personal aims? The SAGE approach of giving great value to information from the patient about themselves and their aspirations ensures that the patient's need remain at the heart of the discussion. E for explanation. The skills of TALC modules four and five emphasise building explanations with regular reference to the patient's own perspective, dividing explanations into smaller chunks and then checking the patient's responses regularly. This creates the setting for a truly shared decision about what to do next. Agreeing therapeutic goals jointly with the patient is a useful skill to employ. Setting a shared and agreed aim for medication at the outset when starting medication means that if the effect is not achieved, it is easier to negotiate stopping or reducing it in the future. When reviewing medications, there are several key skills that will help. Firstly, using appropriate language when talking about changing medications. Secondly, a trial and review approach. And thirdly, using skills for discussing probabilities, possibilities and uncertainty. Now, words do really matter and can heal or even harm patients. Some patients describe feeling attached to their medications. They may feel that the clinician is giving up on me if reductions are proposed. Clinicians may use rather ugly words like deprescribing, which can seem overly clinical, detached, research-based or even uncaring. The clinician should aim to be flexible and alert to the language the patient is using themselves. Mirroring that language can be helpful, while clinicians may also use phrases such as, let's think about personalising this drug treatment for you as an individual. 
shall we work out which drugs to re-prescribe going on to the next stage? Or, having heard about those side effects, I'm wondering if we could streamline your medication to reduce that impact. It's useful to look at TALP modules 4.4, how can your words really be healing in their own right, and TALP 4.5, how to change everything by using the small words skillfully, and buff, but, if, when, what. When a trial and review approach is used, the clinician demonstrates their continuing concern and interest in the patient, which is therapeutic in its own right. Attention to the patient's own assessment of what matters to them and what is working best for them reinforces the patient-centred approach. If reducing medications, clinicians can try out saying they're aiming to reduce the burden of medications on your system or perhaps streamline your medication to get the best possible effects with fewer side effects and less hassle for you. These can be actually therapeutic ways of explaining the process. The clinician who can avoid prescribing drugs to counteract the side effects of other drugs will often have more satisfied patients. Being clear about the expected benefits of any changes and relating these to the patient's own aims will help decision making along. Talking clearly about probability or uncertainty is very important, especially when considering preventative medications that are not aimed at providing any specific improvement in symptoms. If there are side effects from such medications, the patient is likely to experience net harm, which is obviously undesirable. Many medications are used to try and modify the patient's risk through changing risk factors, for example, blood sugar, blood pressure or lipids. But using the word risk raises the patient's expectation that something bad is going to happen, especially if they've been told they're at high risk of an event. It is much more effective and indeed more accurate to use words such as possibility for less likely occurrences, probability for things that are likely to actually happen, and phrases such as most likely to indicate what is reasonably expected. Using absolute numbers rather than relative risks helps everyone concerned to have an accurate perspective. So let's compare these phrases. Your risk of a heart attack or stroke is 30% over the next 10 years, which is high risk. So you must take these, for example, blood pressure tablets forever to stop you getting a heart attack. That sentence refers to relative risk. It implies that the pills will definitely stop a heart attack and that the medication will be lifelong. What kind of impacts could that have on a patient? How would they see themselves? And how would they see any changes to any medication in the future? There's a different approach. We could say something like this. Well, if we look at 100 people just like you over the next 10 years, about 30 of them will have some kind of heart attack or stroke over the next 10 years. If we do this intervention, medication or stopping smoking, then only about 20 of them will still have a heart attack or a stroke. And some people will still have a heart attack, even if they take this medication all that time. This refers to absolute risks and accurately states that even with changes to treatment, some patients will still end up with heart attacks. So what impact might that statement have on a patient? Which is a more accurate description of the expected effects of a medication? 
which offers the patient more information. In many situations, predicting the outcome for a specific individual is impossible. Using the skills of TALC Module 5.1, What Do You Do When You Don't Know What To Do, will enable clinicians to be accurate and helpful in describing uncertain situations. Uncertainty can be mitigated by building in review appointments, by having clear safety netting arrangements in case there are worsening symptoms, and inviting patients to report back any difficulties or complications they experience after changing medications. Allowing time for questions is an effective way to forestall problems using the phrase, what questions do you have now? Which assumes the patient will want to probe more rather than saying any questions, which tends to imply that there won't be any and patients often answer no to that even if they still have questions. T for trust is built between clinician and patient by building rapport, expressing empathy and concern and using all the skills of TALC Module 2. Proactively scheduling follow-up appointments where appropriate maintains the engagement of the patient in the processes of keeping medication under review. It is also vital to hold what matters to the patient at the forefront of the consultation, not just what is the matter with the patient. If this is combined with expressions of concern and interest, the process will run more smoothly. Finally, a positive attitude to the benefits of doing timely and effective medication reviews will help clinicians to think about and redesign the systems they work in so that this work is prioritised. Having the right organisational infrastructure supports effective reviews, improves clinical outcomes and actually reduces the burden on clinicians in the end. There are several e-learning resources with examples of its successful changes and toolkits for those inspired to manage polypharmacy skillfully in the resources section of the attached PDF that's in this chapter. The PDF also discusses a number of ways which you can use training experiences, whether one-to-one -one or in groups, to improve your skills in medication review and to make your medication review more insightful. So it's worth looking at the PDF in this chapter as well. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators, making training available to all.